Hi, welcome to What We Think About When We Think About Code. Today's guest is Rafael. Welcome, Rafael. Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. Um, so as I was explaining to you earlier, I'm going to start with some questions around your history with respect to code, just to get a feel for how long you've been writing code um, and uh, how it's changed for you. So when did you first start writing code? I think my first exposure to code was when I was a pretty young kid. I was maybe 10 or 12 years old, but I didn't really start writing code until I was in college uh, studying computer science, which was you know, eight years later. So when you say first exposure to code, what do you mean? So I took a class over the summer that my parents signed me up for. I think we learned basic. Mm-hmm. We, it was maybe a week long. You know, we wrote a, simple, a few simple programs, and at the end we wrote a simple app. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was fun, but I didn't pursue it at that time. Okay. Um, and how long have you been writing code professionally? About seven years now. Okay. Uh, so with that uh, context, I'd like to get to the meat of uh, this discussion, which is to try and get at what um, a state of flow is with respect to code. So what does that uh, mean for you when you hear that phrase? Uh, that phrase, uh, I think, to me, means a really specific um, state of mind mm-hmm. where I guess the best way to describe it is how it feels. Uh, it's a kind of uh, moderately intense focus. Um, I don't know the best way to uh, describe it, but I kind of imagine that most people have felt a flow state before. Maybe mm-hmm. that's untrue. Um, but but when you hear the word, it means something to oh, you, and definitely. you can relate it to your experiences. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, I mean, just thinking back, you said the best way to describe it is how it feels. Uh, how does it feel? Uh, I would say it's mostly that I am not thinking about the outside world. I'm just thinking about the um, the problem I'm working on, mm-hmm. and I'm not... Uh, if, if they're distracted, it's pretty easy to tune them out. Mm-hmm. And most of my attention is pointed at uh, the problem or the different aspects of the problem that I'm working on. And most of my uh, my mind is not wandering. It's it's pretty um, focused. Focus is the word. Okay. Yeah, is the word. And I am I kind of lose track of outside cues in the environment and kind of lose track of how much time there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when I break out of the state, it's be kind of, I think it's because I get tired or uh, because I've solved the problem and I kind of come up for, come, it feels like coming up for air. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that state, like sitting from there and looking at the code, what do you see? So when you're in that kind of flow state where you're really being really productive, you're not thinking about other things, you are thinking about the code. What kinds of uh, pieces are moving around in your mind? Do you hear words? Like, do you repeat the words of the code? Do you kind of see images or? Um... No, to me, it doesn't feel verbal or visual. 
Uh, if anything, it's spatial. Uh, so I, I think it, it's a little hard to remember exactly how my mind is working, but I think what's happening is I am um, doing a lot of chunking. So I will take some piece of code and I will uh, be able to, if, if I don't have to be thinking about how it works, I can chunk it as one entity mm -hmm. and then um, recall that entity as one like concept to think about and not have to um, be and not have to worry about the details of how that piece of code works. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but I guess when I'm coding, I think there's a constant uh, moving up and down this, moving into and out of these abstractions. So I'm, um, you need to be able to make a thing into a concept and then not worry about what's happening inside. And then pretty commonly, you'll realize, oh, actually, I do care about what happens inside. You know, it's incorrect or it's not what I need it to be. And then I have to sort of go into it. Maybe that's where I'm, when I say this, the spatial metaphor comes into play. I still feel like I, or it seems in my mind that I'm going into some concept to figure out if I, if my conceptual understanding of it is actually true, mm -hmm. is actually what the thing does in reality, mm -hmm. or maybe if I have to change the thing, then I have to understand it before I can change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... You said something really interesting to me, which is you brought up this concept of chunking, which I just recently learned about uh, as a concept from cognitive science referring to sort of bundling up concepts together. Is, is that an accurate way yeah, of how Yeah, that's okay. how I think about it. That's the definition I would use, too. Okay. So that, to me, I think is really interesting, and like uh, I'd be interested more in exploring like uh, what happens there. So, like, let's, let's kind of dig a little deeper and go back to that space where we've, you know, it, like, we're thinking about some methods at the level of the method name or it's kind of this chunked concept, right? How do you manipulate those chunked concepts? Can you move them around? What do they, how do they interact? That's a good question. I am not sure, though, that I have a good theory of how my mind approaches them. Okay. I, I definitely seems like I can move them around. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this... And it seems like I can go inside them. Mm -hmm. And... Well, let's just say, like, uh, imagine there's two methods and, you know, you're kind of manipulating... Like, let's say you have some code that calls two methods and needs to manipulate the output between them, right? And sort of uh, call them in a chain. Like, what is that... Uh, what experiential metaphor yeah. would you use in your I mind? would. I think I would use fitting blocks together. Uh -huh. So, especially in a, when I'm working with a typed language, but even untyped language, I, I still have to think mostly in types. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like... I am uh, composing maybe Tetris blocks or Legos together, and you know maybe they fit together and maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of uh, they are encoded in my mind as sort of uh, interfaces mm -hmm. that you know uh, have types or return types, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to in my mind fit them together in, mm -hmm. or recombine them and recombine them in ways that um, you know one solve the problem, but two make sense mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, minimize, uh, minimize complexity and, and mm -hmm. 
or in, intention revealing to mm -hmm. other programmers. So do you, uh, like when you think about it, are there any like visual associations? Like it's primarily like a spatial kind of feeling of, or I fitting kind of to me pieces it is. together? Yeah, okay. yeah. Interesting. Do you have a similar? Uh, yeah, well, I was gonna say it's, it's you know, really interesting you mentioned the, you know, feeling like moving pieces around because I think I have that experience where, you know, once I have a concept in my mind, it becomes almost a physical entity that I kind of yeah. move about and feel. Yeah. But yeah. then when I think about pieces put together, there's a vague visual association, you know, but for the most part, it's a, uh, just on the level of like a touch, like spatial awareness. Um, okay. Uh, what do you, are you aware of any sort of tr thing that can trigger you to go into that kind of thinking? Uh, I try to become aware of more things that can go into that kind of thinking. So far, I think the best thing is a moderate amount of stress. Or okay. maybe, moder maybe moderate is too strong of a word. A mild amount of stress. Mm -hmm. So when I uh, have, I think, a small amount of stress really helps me focus. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, music really helps, especially music without a lot of words or where mm -hmm. the words don't matter. Like a music that is not driven by... Uh, vocals is a cue for me. Mm -hmm. um, caffeine sometimes helps, mm -hmm. but I don't drink caffeine very much, and sometimes it hurts. Like I'll just get too, too jittery if I overdo it. Mm -hmm. So, talking more about music, like, because uh, I notice I listen to NPR all day, like when oh, I'm working. I tried that; it does not work for me. People at all. often tell me I can't imagine doing that, and you know, one of the things I've noticed about the experience is that. I will often go through periods where I don't hear it, you know, and I'll pop, I mean, it's going on, I know it is, but I can't, I'm not really hearing the words, and then I, when I, I'll pop back out and be aware briefly of some exchange of words. Um, for the music, do you feel a similar thing where you become unaware of it? Or oh, Yeah, definitely. Uh -huh. Yeah, it helps especially to listen to songs I've heard before mm -hmm. or songs that are similar to those I've heard before because I guess less novelty is actually helpful because mm -hmm. one, it tunes out the background noise, but two, I think it's a cue to mm -hmm. my brain to, you know, and go toward that, that flow state. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a feeling for how long that lasts? Do you kind of flit in and out or do you sit into deep? Uh, I think, yeah, usually if, if, if I'm lucky and if, if I do everything right, then 30 to 45 minutes is usually how long I last and then I um, pop out. Sometimes mm -hmm. earlier, like if I get stuck or frustrated or distracted, I'll pop out earlier. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever been able to be in flow for longer than maybe 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably a few times in my life when I've done it for hours at a time, but it's pretty weird and really, mm -hmm. really tiring. Um... So thinking about that mode of thinking about code, right, where we've described it as kind of primarily a spatial awareness, uh, is there, I guess, you know, the answer to this question is obviously yes, but is there a difference in your thinking when you're in the moment writing code versus thinking about it later? And what, like, how is it different? So, I think later it's much more verbal uh -huh. than when I'm doing it. 
uh, and later I can uh, be a bit more conscious about which level of abstraction I'm thinking at, but it's harder to switch between them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know, later when I'm thinking about code, I might be thinking about uh, how readable it is or how uh, how good the high level interfaces are mm -hmm. or uh, how, um, how, how well I followed practices or other high level implementations, like mm -hmm. higher different architectures, but mm -hmm. it's much harder to see um, bugs or to change the internal details. Mm -hmm. um, part of that I don't think is so much flow state, it's just how much of the code is loaded into my mind at the time, mm -hmm. which is pretty closely related to the flow state, I think, mm -hmm. but not the same thing. So uh, that's an interesting metaphor. Uh, let's explore it a little bit. Like, um, what does it feel like when the code is all loaded into your mind? So I think that when I am in a flow state, it is easier to load code, or it's easier to keep code in my mind. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fall out because something else comes up. Um, what does it feel like? I think it just feels like it's very easy to move around in space mm -hmm. like, to keep the, that metaphor. I think that metaphor explains what's going on in my mind really well is that I'm moving around in space mm -hmm. and I'm kind of manipulating these things, these pieces of code mm -hmm. as objects in space. And um, when I'm in a flow state, I, there, I can hold a lot of objects in mm -hmm. my mind and manipulate them all. When I am not, I can hold one object, yeah. two objects in my mind. Is it possible to have code like loaded into your mind without being in the sort of spatial mode of thinking? Maybe. I know that if I've worked on code a lot, sometimes I can just recall it without looking at it and, mm -hmm. and think about it. Um, and that doesn't... Even when, like, when I'm not in a flow state, just when I'm in a... Uh, my mind's wandering or I'm talking about it with someone else um, and that doesn't feel like uh, uh, the same thing mm -hmm. cool um, so kind of taking the discussion on a different task tack uh, talking to, I'd like to think about um, different scales of code so do you are you aware of a different way of thinking when you think about code at different scales? Like, for instance, if you're reading a method, is there one um, thing that comes into play versus a class or a group of classes or thinking about the whole code base? Um, I think the same concepts apply. It seems to me that it's the same concepts at each level. Mm -hmm. It's just a different... Yeah, it doesn't seem to me that scaling changes things that much. Hmm. Um, there are some, I guess, cases where uh, you have to be more careful when you have parallelism or when you have uh, like distributed systems or when you have a lot of state. Mm -hmm. I think there are, I think I, there are some uh, ways my mind classifies codes differently that's not that related to scale. Mm -hmm. um, so I can, I think. Synesthesia is a pretty good metaphor for. I, I'm not really. Um, uh, I don't have synesthesia, but I definitely can think of um, code as you know, red or dangerous mm -hmm. if it's like you know potentially insecure, mm -hmm. or if it's potentially buggy, mm -hmm. or if it's um, you know 
have distributed or if I know mm-hmm. there's a bug in there somewhere and I'm looking for it. Yeah, so does the red dangerous, are there other um, uh, metaphors associated with it in your mind? Is it spiky? Is it hard? Is it... It's uh, hot. Hot. Okay, interesting. Um, so earlier, uh, before this um, conversation, you had mentioned that you sometimes anthropomorphize your code. And uh, you find it useful. At what level? What level is suitable to be anthropomorphized? Would you, you know, would a method become like a human, or would it be more like something at the level of a API? Or I think it's at the level where I don't understand it all. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's larger classes or APIs. Um, I can kind of. I'll give some agency by anthropomorphizing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes it easier to uh, maybe remember or or hold in your mind, even if you don't know all of the implementation details. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, I especially use it when I'm uh, kind of rubber duck debugging or talking through something out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I will call a piece of code as if it's a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find I do the same thing. Uh, so you did mention uh, something about languages earlier. Do you feel... It, have you noticed a different um, kind of experience in different languages? Oh, you mentioned typed languages, yeah. that they lend themselves to spatial metaphors. Or is that a misinterpretation? Oh, I think that's a misinterpretation. Okay. I think I... I forget my exact words, but I... You typed or untyped. I'm. I feel like I always have to think in types. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm sort. Of, I wrote. I worked professionally in some untyped languages like Ruby and JavaScript for a long time and, and Python. And looking back, I have no idea how I did it. Mm-hmm. it seemed, now having a compiler just seems like it saved so much. Yeah. Uh, mental energy. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe I was a lot smarter then. Um, but now I, <laughs> I don't think I could hold. You only get dumber with age, or <laughs> I believe it. Um, have you noticed, uh, if the way, you know, your ability to think about code, uh, at these different levels has changed as you've gotten more experience? Um, specifically, can you remember, you know, when you first started learning code, like if you used to think about it one way and now you think about it differently? Uh, it's hard to remember how I used to think about code uh, because, you know, when I first started, I imagine it was very different. One thing I do know know now is that it's much easier to spot syntax errors mm-hmm. and it's much easier to read code. I feel, I feel like I'm much more fluent in it. So, mm-hmm. like, syntax errors, they just stick out on the page. You can spot a lot of them mm-hmm. because they just, you know, I guess the pattern recognition in my brain can just recognize when something's mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, with, it doesn't seem conscious. It's not as if I'm reading it. It's just that I, I notice a syntax error when I'm scanning a page. And uh, I think I am much more fluent at reading uh, code than I was just in, in terms of uh, like you know lines per minute that I can mm-hmm. read and comprehend. Uh, but so specifically, like thinking about this concept of chunking, you know, and and 
starting to move into being able to manipulate pieces of code in your mind. Do you know if that is an ability that sort of has come along after a few years or has it always been with you? Um, I think I've gotten, I think it's always been with me, but I've gotten a lot better at it because I know what's inside. I can assume what's inside the chunks more mm -hmm. because it's, uh, you know, so, something I have, maybe I didn't write it, but I've written an analogous, mm -hmm. um, API or, or an analogous method before. Mm -hmm. So I think I have a lot of it is memory. Like I can recall what a, you know, connection pool, ought, how it ought to be implemented. I don't have to think about how it is implemented. I just mm -hmm. know the interface that I expect it to have. Mm -hmm. And I know roughly what it ought to be doing mm -hmm. in the interface. And then I don't even have to, um, uh, look at, look at it to even learn what it does. I'll just assume what it does. Mm -hmm. And if it, you know, I'll figure out when I'm running the code, mm -hmm. running the test, if my assumption is wrong. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, I think, is uh, chunking by already having a mental model. Building more mental models, I think, is a big part mm -hmm. of being able to chunk, especially code that you that I didn't write. You know, code from a library or from a colleague or from a past, even a past self that I don't remember writing. Mm -hmm. It makes a big difference if I have a. It's, I guess it's kind of like learning a language. You'll have heard this idiom before or heard this word before and you don't need to relearn it every time you already have a, a big, um, uh, have an idea of what it means and how it's usually used. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, I, thank you for uh, sitting and talking with me, Rafael. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right. It was a pleasure chatting.